that are actually it's a continuation, but just two verses that really uh, set the, the table for us today. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that, she, that he might sanctify her by having cleansed her with the washing of the water with the word. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husband and everything. I'm going to tell you from, from the depth of my heart, I believe the, the, the number one thing you can do to be godly parents is to have a godly marriage, to, to build your relationship with your wife to the deepest spiritual place that you can take it and in terms of transparency, reality, service, doing the things that Jesus uh, talked here for husbands to do and for wives to do, but just to live authentically uh, in your home, uh, admitting your failures, identifying your sins, uh, praying to God, all the things that uh, are so vital and so important for uh, parents to do. Understand our lives are a journey. Uh, we uh, have victories. Uh, there's times we pray and God answers. There's, there's times we pray and God says, wait. Uh, all of these events and circumstances go on in our homes uh, before our very children. And, and I just want to encourage you with the fact that generally they know what's going on even if you don't tell them. <laughs> they sense your continence, your demeanor, their, your, your joy, your, your peace, or your angst, or your fear. They sense that. And you don't really even have to tell them that, especially as they get a bit older. So uh, what I want to just encourage us all with is this journey of living out our own lives faithfully before the Lord uh, as we move forward in the role of parenting our kids. Uh, be sure that, uh, you know, uh, we've talked often uh, in the course of this session, these sessions of, of being able to identify your fails, your failures, your struggles, your inadequacies before your kids. Be transparent with them. Uh, be age-appropriate, of course, but let them know that, that this life is a journey and that you in and of yourself are not adequate. What's going to point them to the sufficiency and power of the living God beyond living your weakness before them and pointing them to Him? When, when you have challenging circumstances, I, I want to encourage you in the strongest way to, to let them in at an age-appropriate way into those struggles that they, they might even pray with you. What, what, what could be better for your kids than to see you on your knees praying to the Father uh, for needs or for guidance or for, for uh, help and, and then to see God answer, just living out our lives uh, as real and, and as transparently and as faithfully as we can. Um, again, being as age-appropriate as is necessary. You know, the reality is sometimes we try to put on the, the Christian veneer. We keep things from our kids. Uh, we uh, hide our sin. We uh, blow up in anger and we don't deal with it. We, we do things like that that can create in their hearts and minds just a real uh, sense of disconnect. You're teaching us, training us in this, but, but then we see different things in your lives. And so what we're aiming for here, what, what we want to seek to accomplish as, as much as we can, as broken as we are, is faithfulness, transparency, and being real with them and, and being as faithful as we can be before them. This takes humility. It takes being absolutely uh, humble before our kids. Let them know our failures, but show them to the strength of the Lord. 
uh, over and over and over again. Uh, acknowledge our fleshly weaknesses. Uh, share with them we struggle with these things in the same way they, they do. We have an opportunity to open our lives so that they might see the truth and the power and the reality of the gospel working within us. So as we make this journey, I just pray that uh, you think through this about your own life and, and your own relationship with your spouse and, and as you live it out before your kids. I, I liken this, and I've used this illustration in the past. past. It's a little bit like a garden. Uh, when we lived uh, in the country in Greeley, we had uh, a big yard and we had a huge garden. And you know, that garden produced amazing vegetables and fruits, but there were certain things we had to do. We had to keep it weeded, we had to plant it, we had to fertilize, we had to keep it weeded, and then we had to go do the harvest. And, and, but the blessing of that was so immense. But the reality of the garden is if you let the weeds grow up, if you don't fertilize, if you don't take care of the garden and the soil, guess what? You're not going to have a garden. And it's the same way with our kids. We want to create in our homes the, 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 the most healthful, God-centered, uh, gospel-oriented life that we can and trust that God will use our relationships and our lives to help them in uh, their growth process. Another passage that really relates to this is the one for uh, Dan spoke on, I think, in uh, his opening series about... Uh, from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. I just want you to uh, sit there and absorb these words again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, uh, with all your strength, your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, and you shall bind them on the signs of your hand, and they shall be as fontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What, what is the picture we see here but a deep, committed devotion to God that just, just is part of our life? It's what leads us and guides us in this journey. And as we raise our children, the, the picture here is wherever you go, uh, as you're walking along, as you're sitting, as you're preparing for bed, wherever you're doing life, there are opportunities to talk with our kids about the gospel, about the Lord, pointing them to Him, opportunities to show the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Word, to just passionately live that out before our kids. Uh, this isn't about having a one-hour lecture with them every week. This passage dictates what? As we do life, impress on our children the truths of the gospel. As we're coming and as we're going. There's just so many places and so many opportunities. We'll touch on these a bit more as we get into this later. But just bear this in mind. I love the passage. It's a little bit later than this. talks about when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say, and this is the important part, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders and great uh, grievous, uh, excuse me, signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes, and he brought us out from there that we might bring us in and give us uh, the land that he swore to give to our fathers. Well, what is in view here? In my view, part of it is just bearing true testimony to the power of the living God in our lives. 
God is, is, is encouraging these believers to tell their children about God and what he's done in their lives. And so, so I want to encourage you as, you as you make your journey through life, just think of the ways God is teaching you, guiding you, uh, answering your prayer, uh, empowering your life. Wherever you meet God, share that with your kids so that they see this faith is real, it's alive, it's, it's vibrant, it's, it's what sustains you, it's where your hope is. And just bear testimony to that. Every opportunity that you have in your life. You know, if, if God just blows your socks off, share that with your kids in an age-appropriate way. If you struggle and, and you find yourself, and again, we've gone over and over this, you find yourself broken before God, share that testimony with your kids. You know, I just discovered again how desperately I need God and how oftentimes I fail to trust Him or to walk with Him or to uh, seek out His power in these lives. I, I just love the idea here of, of, of uh, we can't download our parenting, especially when kids get older. Our, our, our job isn't to, you know, uh, do a, a once-a-week Bible study and, and shoot them off to church and youth group and this. And that. Those are great things. We should, uh, we should invest in those. But you cannot download parenting to someone else. It's your life lived out transparently, uh, honoring God before them. So I want to encourage you in that. I am so thrilled that you're all here. That, that you're concerned about raising your kids in the fear and admonition of God. So, so uh, just be encouraged in that. Share the testimony of your lives with them. Uh, when you have time and opportunity in the scriptures to study it with the kids, one thing I want to just encourage you as you read through the Old Testament. <clears throat> My view of the Old Testament, one, one of the great benefits of the Old Testament is it reveals to us over and over again the divine character and attributes of our God. Wherever you look on the pages of the Old Testament, you'll see God and working in mighty ways. And, and, and the thing I, I want to encourage us not to do is, is to get caught up in some of the accounts. I mean, David was, uh, what a man of God. But, but I want our kids also to see the God of David. God was, uh, David was a man of God because he knew a God who was sustaining him, strengthening, protecting him, empowering him, giving him uh, the power to stand against some of the greatest struggles of life. And, and so don't just look at David as, as this, this Bible guy, but look at David's God and what God did in and through David and the testimony of David's life. And God does that same thing today in our lives. And so as you're studying and thinking through those things with your kid, point them to the God of the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. And, and everywhere there, you, you'll find the gospel. I mean, go to, go to chapter 3 in Genesis, and, and as soon as uh, Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? God brought judgment against them, and then what did he do? He killed an animal, and he covered them with skins. That is the first declaration of the gospel beyond what he said about Satan and to Eve. He killed an animal. He covered them. He shed blood and covered their sin. There's the gospel. Uh, the, the story, uh, see, I did it. I did it. I the account of the ark. What happened in the account of the ark? 120 years, Noah, in faithfulness to the living God, God empowered him, God gave him strength, God gave him wisdom, God gave him perseverance. 120 years, what did he do? Somebody come alongside Noah and say, what are you going to do today, Noah? Oh, I'm going to go work on the ark. 120, 365 days a year for 120 years. What are you going to do today, Noah? I'm going to go work on the ark. Duh. The faithfulness and empowering of God in his life. And, and then when it's, it's all said and done and the ark's ready and the, and, and, and the storm's brewing, what happens? Who closes the door on the ark? 
God. Isn't that amazing? 120 years, Noah worked on the ark, and God closes the door once they get in it. And then all of the, the passages in the scriptures encourage you to, to look at the God of the Old Testament through the eyes of his people and uh, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness that's poured out there. Let God meet you day to day in life and let that pour out through testimony, teaching, instruction to your kids. We have some things here at WCC that can help with this process. Uh, the Sunday school classes um, always have a take-home uh, guide that you can use to reinforce the teaching of the day. Uh, do we cycle through that, uh, Greg, every three years or two years? Kind of the whole... 75 weeks kind of starts over again. So, so in the course of those 75 weeks or a year and a half, uh, kids get kind of a, a, an overview, a complete overview of the scriptures. And, and these guides are there every week for you to take uh, to review the lesson with them. They can be used day by day. Some other resources. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't like the word catechism, but I guess it's coming back into the, the, the vernacular of, of younger people. And the reason I don't like it is because I grew up in the era where everybody went to confirmation, and they learned some things, and then they got a Bible at the end of confirmation, and they were now a believer. And, and that's the last thing uh, that we want to see happen in a kid's life. But, but this is a tool that's available. There's a book. There's also a, an app that allows you to, to connect for 52 weeks out of the year, uh, some teachings doctrinally, theologically about God that are available, the, the uh, book you have to buy, the app's free. Uh, so check it out. It, it's a way to have on your iPhone some teaching things for your kids uh, to connect the scripture with good sound theology, questions, scripture readings, times to pray together, some songs that go along with it, so, and good articles written by godly men. So uh, another tool that you can use uh, just as you make this journey with them. A thing we use and teach in our discipling process is what we call the four G's. And it's just simply a tool to quickly remember the glory and the grace, the greatness of God. First, God is glorious. It's all about his kingdom, not my kingdom. Uh, I don't want God to fix my kingdom. I, I want to serve him in his kingdom. And just remembering that, that mindset, it's God's kingdom. We want to join him in his work in the world. Secondly, God is good. Uh, every good thing we need in life is available in God. So can we find that in him? And do we look to him first and foremost? So remember those things. God's great. I don't have to be in control. God is. God is gracious. I don't need to prove myself to anyone. I'm accepted fully and completely as I am. This, this is something I, I would encourage you to just kind of in a, in a general, simple way, train your kids to think through this grid about the character of God. God's glorious. God is good. God is great. God is gracious. Talk with him. How, how did you see the graciousness of God revealed to you in your life uh, today or this week? Maybe when you have your discussions with him, talk about the power of God and his word as it relates to them and, and continue to point them toward uh, their Father in heaven. Uh, enable them and empower them to trust the, the great graciousness of God. I don't have to satisfy my peers. I don't have to bow to their idols or their ideals. Uh, I serve a living God, and my identity, my, my life is hidden with Christ in God, so I can be uh, content with that and live in the graciousness of God. So these are very applicable to your life. Next, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the whole reality of of training up your child, uh, kind of how to go about it. Here's, here's four or five little things that were, not, not little things, important things that were put together 
uh, by a fellow by the name of uh, John Nielsen. So just some things that you can do, but let's read the scripture first. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a garland of grace for you. And then it jumps in, and this is Psalm 1. It jumps in, into the reality of, of the uh, of the danger, Proverbs 1, I'm sorry, the dangers of, of, of the lies and the deceptions and, and the distortions in our world that just uh, train them up to know uh, the Father's instruction and the Mother's teaching. Spend some regular time reading the, the scriptures together. The Old Testament, great, I, I've shared that with you. Always point them to Christ. Uh, do manageable chunks of scripture for your kids. Always be sure that you explain, ask questions so you know they understand, they comprehend it, and this is really more important at, at younger ages. As, as they grow older, they'll be able to grasp more. Uh, think some about age-appropriate questions that you can ask them about uh, the reality of the scriptures, uh, what, uh, uh, what's the overall message of what you've just read, kind of uh, how would you apply it to your lives, things like that. And then, then when you get to the next session, ask them, how did the application go from last time? I mean, we don't want to just teach our kids to apply in their head. We, we want to hear about how they've applied the scriptures and how God has used that in them and uh, just training them up in uh, the things of the faith. Another uh, thing I want to just visit with you briefly and just the idea of how to keep your children missional. Uh, you didn't think you were going to let me up here for this long to not talk about missions, do you? So anyway, here we go. Give ear, O my people, to my, to my teachings. Incline your ear to the, mouth, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed uh, the, uh, uh, the law in Israel. There's more to this passage. You can read it at, at your convenience uh, from uh, Psalms 78, 1 through uh, 8. What, what I want to encourage us with these thoughts are, are that uh, we want to help, help our kids understand God's mission is for the world, and God is desirous that, that we would continue to live on mission. Uh, why I raise this up, I read an article uh, by Francis Chan that, that talks about uh, what happens sometimes when, when younger people who are, who are pretty uh, uh, bold in their faith, they get married and, and they, they get over-concerned with the, the security and the nurturing of their family and they, they lose the sight uh, of the power of the gospel that maybe they'd known before. This is a, a, just a, a thing I want to encourage us to, to, to guard against, that, that we don't lose sight of, of people that need Jesus, uh, even though we're raising a family. Uh, you're, you're not overwhelmed with everything I've said today. This will probably overwhelm you, but just bear in mind, our families can be instruments that God uses to reach people. Uh, our kids have friends. Our, our friends sometimes invite them to our house, or, or we can invite them over uh, to their house or sometimes to our house. We always have an opportunity with our kids there to live out the gospel and share the glories of these things. Uh, I, I love what uh, Francis Chan says about this. Let me bounce it forward. I... I uh, Oops, I think I went past it. Let me go back here. Yeah, here we go. Not only are you missing out on life, but we are turning away our children by the droves because our lives are not the adventure they see in the scriptures. They are not experiencing the Holy Spirit. What are the experiences instead of what Chan, 
What they are experiencing instead is what Chan calls a Christian version of the American dream. And I, I just want to, some of you I know live this way, and, and I've heard testimony of your kids that have been to the mission field, come back alive and vibrant and, and excited about that, and what a, what a glorious thing to see and cultivate and build into the lives of our kids, to, to be passionate about people who desperately need Jesus and, and to, to think uh, in, in light of that. And, and this is an incredible opportunity we have to be witnesses for the living God uh, right here where we live. And I, I think this just causes me to, to, to pause and ponder, do, do children not see in our lives our passion to help people come to know Jesus? We talk every week about uh, knowing Jesus, growing in Jesus, and going and tell, tell others. Uh, we we want to be sure that they see uh, uh, just the genuineness of our lives, uh, living in that way, uh, bearing out, living out the scriptures in this way, and uh, and just in, in every way, honoring and uh, glorifying God. We've seen this uh, slide before, just, just the struggles of sin and the challenges of it. Th this is where we find ourselves uh, prior to belief, and this is where we find ourselves after belief as we grow in our faith, and I just wanted to point a few things out on, on this slide. This is the difference uh, uh, when, when Christ comes in and, and we begin to seek to honor Him and glorify Him in every way. Uh, the gospel is building the love of God within us. Uh, we're growing in a love for God, a, an understanding of God's love for us that humbles us. And so that works itself out in our lives in a, in a variety of ways, obedience, worship, praise, these other things. Uh, the outer circle here is a manifestation of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, godliness, righteousness, trust, faith. And so uh, what, what, what I want you to focus on here is just because of all this and the love of God, we're empowered and, and, and we have now uh, the ability to obey God as the, Spirit and Word as the Spirit and Word guides and directs our lives. Then next down here it says, I humbly serve others and uh, I share the love of Christ with others. So the outworking of the gospel is we come to know him. And, and rejoice in Him and grow in Him and, and get to know Him more and more will be to be exuberant about that around people who maybe don't know Him and, and uh, just work at uh, faithfully tr uh, trying to reach out to those who live around us, uh, letting our kids see that. You know, I was thinking about over the years, we had some uh, Campus Crusade workers in our, in our church, and I mean, their house was full of college students all the time. Their, their three boys saw that. They'd go on all these trips around the country, and their boys would go with them. And they just, I mean, being uh, on mission, literally, uh, was part of their life. And, and, and somehow, although we don't all work for crusade, I think we can kind of keep that same fervor and reality true in our, in our lives so people see and understand the importance of the gospel. A couple other things I want to just touch on briefly as we kind of work at wrapping up here. I want us to understand the differences between men and women in, in the home and parenting our kids and, and how that impacts kind of the parenting process. We go back to the garden, we see that the, the judgment that came to the woman was uh, the pain of childbearing, but also the desire for her husband. And literally, my understanding of this is that she would desire to be a ruler over him. And the way I've always interpreted this, thought about it, and talked about it is in the flesh, without the spirit and the word light leading us and guiding us, uh, the natural bent, the fleshly bent of, of the, the wife and mother is to nurture in the home, 
to, to raise up, train up kids, and to protect those kids, and to do any and everything she can for the furtherance and the well-being of those kids, even if it steps on her husband's toes. Uh, the next slide, and let me show you how this sort of interacts. Again, Adam, because of his sin, uh, he uh, uh, was uh, given over to uh, making his uh, living from the fields, fighting thorns and thistles all the days of his life. Uh, you know, he, he would eat of the plants, but by the sweat of his brow and the, the hard work of his life, he would um, yeah, just eat of the ground. What I saw in this, and I saw this in my own life before I became a believer and early in my believing life, and even till, till, till today I struggle with this, but my life, my identity, so much has been invested in who I was by what I did, my work. Uh, before I became a believer, my work was my God, literally. Uh, and, and uh, you know, my identity was there. And when I would come home from work, uh, all the anxiety, frustration, struggles I had at work, guess where I brought those home to? Her and the kids. And because I trusted them and because uh, I felt was safe there, sometimes I would work out that, that anger toward them or that, that impatience, that irritation toward them. And, and because I was so busy with building my career and finding my identity there that, that the reality is uh, she didn't feel supported. She didn't feel uh, that I was there to help her uh, with this process of raising our kids. So she took more and more control. This is all before we came to Christ. And, and God wants to train us up in these relationships to, to not live out that reality. I know it's hard to make a living. I know our jobs are very demanding at times. But uh, when you drive through the door uh, or walk through the door of your house, I just pray that uh, you'll be able to, to turn the work thing off and just embrace your wife and kids and be there for them. I, I love a, a thing that came out of uh, one of the articles I read in preparation for this. Uh, we, oh, no, back up. Uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Back when Paul wrote these words, he lived in a very patriarchal society. Fathers had almost absolute control and authority in their homes. And, and so they ruled literally with an iron fist. And, and it was oftentimes that they would easily exasperate their children with harsh discipline because they literally, it was viewed, almost owned the family. But, but uh, so that's always a warning to us. Uh, I, I want to encourage us as fathers to uh, just step forth in, in this whole role of being godly fathers. I, I'm so encouraged that so many of you men are here that, that you want to be husbands uh, to your wives and parents, to, or uh, fathers to your children. And, uh, just think about this. Um, in an article I read by uh, Paul, uh, uh, name lost me, I'm sorry. It just talked about two roles that fathers can really bear in, in our culture today. And one of them is, is just to exalt the glory and the goodness of God in every way. When you have your kids with them, don't just teach them a life skill, but take them out. If you're working with wood, show them the grains in the wood that God put there. If you're out fishing, show them the variety and all the wonders of, of creation that God has provided. And it's not just about fishing. It's about engaging in the glory and the wonder of all that God has made. Uh, and, and show your kids about that. Point your kids to those truths and those realities. Uh, train them up understanding the wonders of the glory of God. Uh, that, that's a role we as dads uh, need to do and can do. A second role that, uh, that's brought out in this whole area is brought out by um, just loving our kids in, in unique ways as, as men. Uh, being able to be that, that humble point of, of uh, uh, 
of humility before them, uh, show our hearts, show them how hard it is sometimes for us. I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to build relationships for me. Uh, sometimes my heart isn't open to new people or isn't open in the way it should be, but just be able to be open and talk with your kids about that and, and help them understand how the love of God wants to uh, empower you to learn and grow in loving other people and uh, just grow in those things. Last couple things here before we uh, wrap it up. Uh, in an article about counterfeit gods, Tim Keller writes this word, uh, these words, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, I have that, and then I'll feel my life has meaning, then I'll know I have value, and then I'll feel significant and secure. Uh, the one thing we want to guard against, and I read an article for, from a lady by the name of Jennifer Phillips, and the idea there was, uh, don't allow idolatry to creep into your parenting. Uh, idolatry in parenting would look something like, uh, my kids have to perform at such and such a level so I will look good. My idol is, is my impeccable parent parenting or, or my uh, uh, wisdom and knowledge and skill as a parent. So guard your heart. She says, pay attention to the negative emotions in response to your kids not uh, obeying and... and um, relating to you in the way that you maybe think they should. Here's, here's um, something significant to ponder. Uh, what, what upsets you? Is it the behavior of your children? Is it your comfort? Is it how it affects your reputation? Our reaction to our kids' behavior often has little to do with brokenness over their sin and a lot to do with how irritated we are that they are threatening our own desires. Identify uh, what you put your hopes in. Uh, is it the latest book? Is it, is it Facebook? Is it something else where uh, you can get credit rather than the Lord? All of these things uh, are things to be cognizant of and concerned about. Watch the comparison trap, uh, especially, again, on Facebook. My kids don't measure up to my neighbor's kids or uh, somebody in our community group. Our kids don't behave that same way. Uh, your kids are your kids, and they're on a journey with you, and uh, trust God to work in and through you. Um, some things to, to guard. Again, it's this whole thing of being humble as parents, and just be real, transparent before them. Share your struggles in age-appropriate ways. Teach your kids uh, that just as you struggle sometimes with how people view you and how you do things, uh, help them understand uh, that they do the same thing. Maybe their idol's an, athle an athlete or, or something like that, but help them understand the truth of idolatry and how it can diminish their role and relationship with God. Lastly, I, I want to just uh, wrap up with this thought from Paul Tripp, and, and I think this is so, so good. He says, as we seek to parent our children, the Heavenly Father is parenting everyone in the room. Think about that. As we parent our children, God is parenting us. And, and this whole idea of living out our lives as authentically and as transparently and as obediently as we can, uh, knowing that we fail, but knowing that the, the Lord Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins, that, that everything can be taken to him uh, through forgiveness and mercy and grace and just live that out and, and learn that we're not perfect parents. I think if you've gained anything from that, the people that have sat on this stage are not perfect parents. And you're not going to be a perfect parent either. But the reality is, look to what God wants to teach you 
as you parent your children. Your children will be teaching you great lessons about trusting God, about believing God, about following God as you struggle with the struggles of your kids. He is concerned with you, not just your kids. This seminar is not just about your kids. It's about you and living the truth of the gospel and the power of the Spirit and the Word and allow God to transform you and change you and, and build you up and strengthen you in the faith. And just to wrap all things up, this is the last little outline we're going to give you. Uh, it's called the one, two, three, four memory outline. Number one, grab hold of the truth that God has ordained this situation. The reality is you have kids that God gave you. Some are going to be difficult. Some are going to be compliant. They're all going to be different. Some are going to have struggles. Some aren't. The reality is how you approach them, how you deal with them, how you parent with them is an incredible opportunity for God to work in your life and to sanctify you, to strengthen you, to empower you to grow in faith and grace and knowledge. And, and keep your eye on that ball as well. It's just not about them alone. It's about you as well and you growing in your faith. Thank God for, for the difficulties, the hardships. You know, when, you're, when your kids are uh, misbehaving and, and you've worked through it, stop it. Thank God for the opportunity to minister to them in this difficult time in their life and point them to Jesus, to, to share your struggles with them and the truth and reality of this walk of faith. Uh, forgive the offender if, if they're the cause of it or something else is the cause of it. Be sure to be forgiving in that. How can I obey God? You know, what, what are the things that are before me that I need to uh, deal with in my own life? So remember, parenting isn't just about your kids. Parenting is about all of us as we live out our faith before God. So with that, we're going to wrap up and leave you uh, to have your last uh, 30 minutes together as couples. Uh, the things we want you to do this time is just think through some of the things uh, that you're doing now to disciple your kids. Uh, what, what are you, how are you training them? What are the resources you're using? Are there some things you've picked up here that might be beneficial? Um, talk about your own marriage and your relationship and how you think kids are, are reacting to how you are parenting them. Are there lessons God has for you as parents that uh, you need to employ uh, to uh, deal with as you move forward? And then take a few moments to add the final two action steps to your parenting plan. And we'll come back at, it's 1.30, we'll come back at 2 o'clock. All right.